Welcome back to Sound Up Governance. This is obviously a little bit different for those of you who are watching it. This is the first time that we've done an episode of Sound Up Governance that also has accompanying video. And the other thing that's different about this is that I'm kind of the subject of the interview this time. I had been thinking about the recent launch or at the time upcoming launch of the fourth season of One Minute Governance and realized that I kind of wanted to say some stuff myself and I was thinking of who could interview me that might have a little bit of a different perspective than a lot of the other interviews that I do out there and the first person I thought of was my partner in ground up governance stuff Nate Schmold and so Nate and I got together and we talked about a whole bunch of things and in fact I learned a lot too so welcome to episode number 30 of Sound Up Governance featuring me interviewed by Nate Schmold. I think, uh, yeah, well, we were chatting about some way to I, give, maybe give me, give me some context just again so I'm making sure my tone is correct uh, on what the purpose of this is uh, when I'm asking So I have, I have several platforms through which I express myself. One of them is the one we work on together called Ground Up Governance, which has a podcast, as you know, called Sound Up Governance. Another one is a separate podcast called One Minute Governance, which happens to have a fourth season upcoming in a few days. And I am awful at optimizing the cross-promotional potential of my multiple platforms. And it occurred to me hey, maybe this is one of those opportunities with a new season starting on One Minute Governance to do some cross-promotional stuff. And I said to you, don't you think it might be an interesting idea for me to have to be interviewed on Sound Up Governance as, as a, one of these cross-promotional things? And you said yes. And then at the end of that conversation, <laughs> we decided that you would interview me, and here we are. Yeah, and I mean, so the the whole premise, um, it, it sounded super cool to me, and uh, yeah, I, I'm coming at it with a little bit of uh, a little bit of naive anxiety that, that the questions that I'm going to ask you are ones that you've heard a thousand times and answered a thousand times, and no one will ever actually hear this because you decided that it would be better to just be interviewed by someone uh, in the subway lineup. Um, and and it lunch. is funny because, and there's a reason why Nate feels this anxiety because it was the only thing that I said I was worried about when it came to, right yeah. when we were talking, it's I like said, what I like, zeroed in on. Yeah. The only yeah, thing I wanted sure. was, I, I was like, everybody's heard me say this stuff a million times. I just want someone different to interview me so that they don't hear me say the same stuff over and over again. But I'm not actually that worried about it. I think this is going to be fun either way. Okay. Well. Let's let's start it right off then. So question one, if corporate governance was a rainbow, no, I'm just joking. It, that's, I mean, I could go down that line, but I didn't think about that. So that would be completely off the top. I am recording uh, video for the first time for, for Sound Up Governance. <laughs> I may not release it, but, but people would right. be, I think, interested to see the expression that I made when you started that question. Also, I probably should have organized my microphone so that it's not blocking my face in the camera, but whatever. Yeah. It's all good. Okay, well, of course... No, okay. You are the CEO. <laughs> you are the CEO of a major company. You're going into a boardroom to pitch a merger of really stylish clothing and banana puree <laughs> industries incorporated. 
you have a superpower to control one variable, one condition about the physical space of the boardroom before you enter it. And you, let's say you don't know, you don't know anyone in the room. Uh, what do you choose to modify and how? This is the, probably the silliest question because I think no, I, was I like it. Would... I like it. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to answer something. I'm going to avoid answering your question at first and then I'll answer your question because a part of my avoidance is because I'm not sure yet. So I'm going to say something else while I'm trying to think about what. Uh, so the actual condition that I would probably want to change is the fact that the CEO is going in and trying to pitch something instead of socializing the the con the, the idea in advance, especially given that the room is full of strangers. So the C I as CEO am am kind of introducing a bit of a hostile tactic here by you know, you'd have to have a, a it, this would be a hub, uh, an illustration of hubris to go into a room full of strangers who are your bosses and try to convince them of something this <laughs> significant. Um, but if we're talking about, let, let's say that this is all in good faith instead of what I just described. And if I really, let me change the wording and, and instead of say trying to pitch it, if I really wanted to learn more from this group of hopefully smart and, and engaged people, I would probably, the layout is the first thing that, because I have an actual, I have a hang up about boardroom layouts that I've, I've talked about before, but I'll be maybe a little more articulate about it here. And I'd be curious for your feedback too, is when I think about all of the innovation that's happened in the way that we lay out spaces from you know, where people work that have evolved from like factory floors to, you know, open concept to cubicles, to work play, to hoteling, to whatever. Not that any of these are, are great, but at least we try stuff. Or yeah. if we think about classrooms that, you know, used to, in a university used to always be auditorium style, but now that it's, you see all kinds of different funky stuff and the deployment of technology and service of, of like engagement and interaction and that kind of thing. And then still every boardroom is the same stupid thing that it's been since 1820, uh, like rectangle or oval or whatever with like someone at one end who makes a presentation. It's basically what the drawing you made of the boardroom. That's the headline of, of <laughs> and that's really what boardroom layouts are. And I don't think 90% of people engage well in that space right the you we can we can kind of make eye contact with everybody i guess that's one advantage if other conditions are right we can hear each other well but there's very little sort of social opportunity there there's no privacy right so we don't get to there's like don't get to just sort of like have a quiet conversation and bounce ideas off each other there's too many people at the table for everybody to be able to get time to express themselves. So I think right. I would, the first thing I would do is think about how I'd want to lay out the room or a few different ways I might want to lay out the room and, and be very specific about the types of conversations I wanted to have. And then, and then be like, okay, I want to talk about a 
for that conversation, we're going to go into small groups. And then for B, we'll like go into pairs. And then for C, we'll go out for a walk in the woods outside or whatever it is. And just sort of think about how the literal layout might facilitate the types of conversations I want to have. I don't know. Do you feel that too? Like when you're in a a room, like the, the layout matters, I feel like it does a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the, like the boardroom, like we've even had meetings at, at work where, you know, that's the format and, you know, we're like a scrappy ups, you know, like a scrappy kind of like push the boundaries game company. And when we have a meeting, it's, it's almost like it, it's almost like a, it's like a comfort to like get everyone around the boardroom and it's like, okay, look, everyone, we're doing something official now. Uh, this is like the, this is the board meeting time list where yeah. everyone's, you know, you, 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 it's almost, it, it encourages people to, to be quiet and not participate, honestly, because it's like the format is like, okay, well, there's a person there at the front and there's a screen that we're looking at. And this is, you know, this is quiet time. We're just here to like, we're in like the grown up version of a classroom. It's that's exactly the grown up thing is such a weird element of it. This like, okay, now things are serious. Now that we're in this room, it's serious. No more screwing around everybody. And that's like one of the main failures I think of boards is the lack of willingness to screw around a little bit. Like there's zero experimentation. It's unbelievably like staid and formal and somber. And it's like, well, how, How's anyone supposed to be like as useful as possible under those conditions? I don't, I don't understand. Like, cause wh- when you're sitting around that table and maybe this isn't you, but I bet you other people on your team feel this way, just like dreading that moment when the person running the meeting is like, okay, Nate, it's your turn to talk now, say something <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And it's right. like, it's awful. It's an awful feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, even if it's like, you know, just like a general sort of, um, open call for feedback, then it's like, you don't want to be the person to, to speak up. Cause then it's like, now all the pressure's on you and you have an entire room full of people facing you. And it's like, got time to be smart. Here we go. Yeah. Right. And no, isn't that, and so when nobody says anything, that's bad, but there's going to be someone who gets like, they, it hits that point where it's so uncomfortable that no one's saying anything that someone will just make up the smartest thing they can think of just to fill the silence. Yeah. And that's also, I hate that. I hate it. It happens. Yeah. Everywhere. Cause then it's like the value of, uh, the value of the time is sort of like forgotten. And it's almost like the, the format becomes the important part and the, just the fact that you went through the motions and did it. But, uh, yeah you kind of walk away from it going like, well, well, what, what was the point of that? I feel like we, it didn't, it didn't maximize the, the potential of that. A hundred percent. Crazy. Well, have you, have you like, what have you seen in terms of, uh, like formats for boardrooms? Like what's the most, what's the most interesting, um, layout or the most interesting setting that you, you personally have actually like you know, you know, for sure happened and, and was successful. Yeah. None. So I'll tell you about one that I've heard of. I'll tell you about one that I've heard of. And then I'll tell you about a commitment that a board I worked with made 
to do something that I can't verify if they've done or not. Okay. So I heard about uh, an organization that did a, but they had a board meeting or like an offsite or something uh, during COVID and they needed a space where they could be sufficiently physically distanced from each other. And so let's imagine they called a hotel and said, we need a big room and we need the furniture to be laid out in some way that we can have at least six feet between us and so on. And so what the hotel did was the furniture they had at their disposal was like the combination chair desk things from high school uh, on wheels. And so they'd laid it out in a matrix so everybody could be equally distanced from each other. But what the, what ended up happening was people, because it was on wheels, they would spontaneously reconfigure to suit the conversations that they needed to have. So maybe in small groups or a circle or whatever. And I'm not saying let's leave it all up to spontaneity, although that is kind of fun. But if you're if your furniture was easily fungible, right. then you could work into your agenda, okay, for this part of the meeting, we're going to move things around so that it's like this and this other part of the meeting. Like, so you don't have to m- literally move furniture. You just roll your chair over. So I like that idea, and I know that happened in the real world. There's the organization that I worked with that I wanted to mention, they... they I sometimes put, I sometimes put uh, organizations through an exercise where I frame a question something like, "Imagine it were a criminal offense to lay out your boardroom like a normal boardroom, and further, it had you had to change the layout at least once per meeting, or else you go to prison." And uh, so, what are the the first two different layouts that you'd want to try. And what you have to do is you have to give them examples so they know that it's not just like, well, what's left? A triangle? Like, because people's imaginations are so stunted by the fact that every single boardroom is the same. So they, it's hard for them to imagine it differently. So you give them examples like, you know, you could it could be as mundane as small groups in the circle and as ridiculous as a roller coaster or the moon, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever two things yeah. you'd want to try, let us know. And at the end of a, one of the conversations I, I had with an organization, they decided that the layout wasn't the thing that was really bothering them. It was the fact that they never moved. And they, they're just like, you know what? Sitting in these chairs for six hours... And getting a 10 minute break here and there is the worst. We hate it. We need to move. Yeah. Let's like make a point of doing a walk and talk. Uh, or even, in fact, they'll also learn that most of them like yoga. So there's like, maybe we can do yoga sometime. This is like a pretty sophisticated organization, right? And they're, they're just like, oh, we like yoga. Okay, well, let's do yoga at our board meeting. And I'm just like, yes, yes, that, try it. See, it yeah. might, you might hate it, but what if it, is like magic right yeah. who knows it's that sense of experimentation again yeah well but i haven't just seen, i don't know of... if they did it okay <laughs> but yeah i think that's i mean that 
from our conversations, that's what I get. Like that's the, you know, when we were talking about the boardroom and I think my, was it for the boardroom definition on ground up governance, which was the, the moon or they were on the, they took oh, yeah, a, yeah, they took yeah, a, exactly. Yeah. I think it was, so that was basically yeah. like the extreme of the, yeah, that's the extreme of, um, yeah, you know, the, your idea of shake it up. And I think yeah. that, and trying and trying something in itself, the practice of that being something that could dislodge or, or open up new possibilities, whether or not the actual thing works or not, it's just like that philosophy of trying. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I like that you use the word practice because it, I'm, if we take that literally, like we have to practice or else we're bad at it, right? Nobody's born good at this stuff. So let's practice and assume that we're going to be bad for a while and not worry about it. Not be like, oh, that was bad. Let's never try that again. It's like, well, that's like saying, I really want to be a hockey player, but I was bad the first time. So I'm never going to try it again. Like, well, yeah. you know, did you really thought you were going to be good at it the first time? Right. Right. Uh, cool. That's, that's, uh, dang. Is, uh, completely go off on a tangent. I was going to give a story about a thing, but this isn't my interview. So I don't want to, I don't want to hear a story. That story. No, tell okay, a story. Well, I can always edit it out if I don't like it. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> edit this out. This is more of a conversation between you and I at this point, but, uh, the, uh, I'm something that, that struck me as kind of cool. Um, probably the most, uh, engaged I've ever felt in a meeting, especially in a meeting with I think, you know, 30, 40 other people at one time. So in the setting, that many people in a room, it would have been super easy to sit back and not be involved and just sort of be a listener or like a fly on the wall of like, you sure. know, let's see how this goes, um, was in Alt MBA. And the thing that tripped me out was this was a meeting. I mean, it wasn't a board meeting. Like we weren't discussing like an important thing, but like an important business thing or whatever, but, uh, it was a zoom call, you know, like, so this setting, I mean, honestly, something that I typically dread, uh, with work stuff is zoom calls with multiple people where, I mean, it is super easy to just check out and, you know, keep your mic muted. And as long as nobody calls on you, it's like easy to just kind of totally. show up and be there. Um, but this practice that they had, which was, it was always questions being asked. Um, there was no, never seemed like there was an agenda. Like there was a topic of what we were trying to learn about from each other and what we were trying to learn about in terms of like, you know, what, what was the point of this call? Why are we all together? What are we talking about? But then from that point on, it became just a question being asked and then silence. And it, it started off with the silence being the awkward part. And that's where it's like, right. well, you feel like, oh, do I need to, no one's turning their mic on and saying anything. Should I be the one who does that? And, uh, it's still silent. What the, how is nobody talking right now? But we would just sit there in silence sometimes for like 10, 15, 20 seconds with no one saying anything, just looking at the little pictures of people's faces and knowing that they're all thinking the same thing. Like, should I turn my mic on? <laughs> I don't, but then someone would. And they'd have this brilliant idea that they would share that seemed like it came out of nowhere. And then you get like, uh, you get this feeling of like, just 
magic from the confidence that they had that, you know, the bravery that they were the one that un undid their microphone. And then all of a sudden somebody else, as soon as they were done, somebody else's mic would come on and they'd have an amazing idea that would follow up on that. And it like that silence and that like openness to just be uncomfortable and to allow that discomfort to like soak in, got everyone out of it. And then to the point where it almost felt like I'm pretty sure like everyone in the room had talked, like everyone in the room had volunteered to hop on the mic. And yeah, it's, that was trippy to me because it was, it was like a zoom call, you know, there's no, there's literally like that screen with just a bunch of windows on it and there's no, yeah, it was it, this, this, I think, okay. So silence, silence was the furniture of that, of that. No, I love that, it. I love it. And I, I love that. Like, I don't, I, I couldn't tell from your description if the silence was intentional or if it was just allowed. It was absolutely intentional. And we, I was actually one of the major things that we did learn about, um, as like actual prompts and in our writing and stuff like that is how to use silence as like a, as a way to move forward and, and to give space to those ideas to come out and like. Yeah, there was, cause there was a few times even talking to, um, some of the leaders, you know, we would do one-on-ones every once in a while. And I remember being in one of the chats with them and there was literally a moment where, yeah, there was like an awkward silence and then all three of us, so this was in like a much tighter zoom call with just the three yeah. of us and all three of us just looking at each other's picture on zoom, not saying anything starting to like smile and laugh because it's uncomfortable, but then like relaxing your shoulders and it's still silent. And I swear to God, like there was one, one call where it went on for like a minute. Yeah. And then it was, it's just like, it's a, something that we don't naturally experience because we're sort of like taught to fill these spaces up with like, to make sure that we're proving that we have something to say or to, uh, you know, so it's, yeah, yeah we're, we're also, we reward those people who, who, uh, who speak up the most quickly and loudly, right? They're the people who end up getting the most praise. Often they're the ones who end up getting the better jobs and that kind of thing. And it's like, well, in a lot of cases we're rewarding somebody for being stupid fast. <laughs> right uh and jeez and i'm w i'm completely with you where it's like well it's a lot easier not to be stupid if you don't if you're not worried about being first yeah right uh so i love that i'm gonna i might steal that i'm gonna think of a way to incorporate that into my stuff right on uh tangent change um another question is good corporate governance costly like financially uh, oh that's a, yeah okay no is that a good enough answer no it costs I guess, yeah it, yeah <laughs> uh no let me give you i'm gonna give you two sides to it so if you already have like let's say you've already got a board let's say you're th let's imagine you're actually just sitting in your boardroom during a board meeting and you're just going through your normal stuff. So what we're talking about is, does it cost any extra to go from normal to good? 
the answer is no, right? Because all the for me, good governance is just the it's just being intentional about the conditions. So how what does it cost to start being intentional? Zero, right? It just costs a right. question or a like change in mindset or whatever. But let's imagine for a second that we decided you and me that one of the conditions that really mattered for our decision making was that we needed the world's largest diamond and otherwise we don't have the conditions we need to make an important decision and my question is like well how much should good governance cost right what's it worth and I like it's probably worth more to most organizations than other things they spend money on. And maybe another way to put it is what's easier to, or what's more costly to lose money or good governance. And I think good governance is probably more costly to lose. And it's also usually pretty easy to get more money. So Right. The, the short answer is no, and the long answer is, well, so what if it is expensive? <laughs> you know, it's still probably worth it. Right. Well, I think that's, so this is kind of another question, and this is honestly just me being naive asking, like, how how do you measure the results of good corporate governance, and how do you attribute those results to the good corporate governance? Like, is that, is there, are there systems for that, or are there, like... Now, this is the ch- this is the chase that I spent the first 20 something years of my career on, which is okay, well, let's make good governance measurable in some way so that we can seek a connection between it and financial results. Like that's if you look up in Google Scholar or whatever corporate governance and get all the 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 the, the scholarly research on corporate governance it's basically trying to connect some definition of good governance, some really narrow definition of good governance, like, oh, do does the board have a lawyer on it? That's how we're measuring good governance. And let's see if there's a connection between that and financial performance. And it's really interesting that that's the journey that like if you every single scholarly paper that i know of on corporate governance is an attempt to make these connections between some really measurable thing defined as good governance and some measurable result like profitability or share price or whatever Mm -hmm. and then they pretend that they found some causal relationship between having a lawyer on the board and increased share price but you and i if we if we sat back and asked the question how could uh, having a lawyer on the board possibly increase share price we can't actually imagine that connection <laughs> even though it the data might seem to show a causal relationship if we actually imagine how that could be possible in the real world, we come up with nothing. There's like, it's not, there's no, there's no reasonable explanation. So getting more substantially to the question you're asking, if we want to try to criticize, I know this isn't what you're trying to do, but if someone were to try to criticize my definition of good governance, intentionally cultivating effective conditions for making decisions, they wanted to criticize it by saying, well, how could you possibly connect that? Like you can't, you don't know how the, what the outcomes are, or if you can't connect it to results, it doesn't matter. And I'll say, well, I mean, really what we're talking about is a decision, right? 
the inputs into a decision. There's no such thing as a decision that we know the result of before we make the decision. Can't exist, right? There's no decision to be made if we already know what's going to happen afterward. So basically what, what you'd need is like a multiverse to be able to connect good governance to results because we'd not only have to say, we're pretty sure this led to good results. We'd also have to say, it led to better results than every other possible path we might have gone down, but we didn't, so we don't know. Right. So I'm being a bit annoying here. I think that if if there's anything that, that I would want to say about the potential to connect governance and performance is if we like that definition, if we're being really intentional about, about cultivating great conditions for decision-making, we've got all the best information at the right time in the right ways or the best information we can, we've got the right people in the room, skills, expertise, varied and, and, and divergent perspectives, and we've got nobody's uncomfortable, nobody's too angry, nobody's too distracted, all that stuff, then I would like to think that the probability of a bad result is lower, but I'd also right. have to say that there's no such thing as good, like good governance can't overcome bad ideas. So like, let's say that we, that we've come up with some really dumb product and we've, you and I have <laughs> been invited to be on the board of a company that try that's trying to figure out how to, to make this product work. We do our best and it fails. That's not bad governance. That's just a bad idea. And that's different. Right. Yeah. So that's a long way of answering your question. Uh, there's a, a shorter way of answering it, which is, I don't know, really. I don't think you can connect governance <laughs> and performance very directly. No, but it sounds like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like the, you can pinpoint things that, areas that you can try things out and you can pinpoint obvious problems and solve them and the assumption is, uh, yeah, you're working towards an improved situation. So yeah, if we made up, if we made a decision that tend that turned out to be bad and we just left it and said, well, well, whatever, we don't care. Then mm -hmm. as long as we did, even if we did that intentionally, it's fine, but we'd probably say, Ooh, shoot, we, that was a bad decision. Why don't we cultivate effective conditions for figuring out what to do about this? Right. So it's a uh -huh. journey. It's less about did we did we achieve this result, and more about what are we? What's the the nature and shape of the journey in service of making decisions? I right. don't know if I, that sounds really nerdy and woo woo, but I still believe it. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of part one of my chat with Nate and really this was only a two-parter because the conversation was too long to fit into one episode so tune in next week for episode 31 of Sound Up Governance where we'll pick up right where we left off and in the meantime as always if you have any comments or questions or complaints or suggestions email them to soundup at groundupgovernance.com see you next week